You know, one of the greatest joys of my life is pastoring this church. You know, so many people have to do things, but I have come to find that I get to do this. And what a, what a privilege it is to know God personally, to have a sincere and honest faith in Him, and then to be a conduit for God. Isn't it an amazing thought when you think about what we get to do as followers of Jesus Christ? And that is that God works in our lives, and then we have one hand on God, and we get to hold out another hand and be a conduit of God to someone else. A conduit of his love, his grace, his mercy. And I just want you to know this from the bottom of my heart. We're a little over five years into pastoring One Hope Church. And it's a privilege. I love it. I wouldn't do anything else with my life. There are some times where it's hard. There are some times that it's really challenging. And in those moments, you know what I think about? I think about you. And I think about life. And I think about what it would be like to live a life without God. And it's in those moments that something stirs afresh in me. Say, you know what, God, I want to do your will, and I want to fulfill your calling in my life. Today, if you're visiting with us or here for the first time, the message is a little bit different today, starting differently than I normally would. It's a moment where I really want you to sense God's presence, because you're going to need God's presence to carry you forward in the future. When we're first launching the church, I had a lot of young people come alongside, college students, interns. They wanted to come along and do this with us and some young families that had just started out. And, and every one of them would come alongside and say, hey, we feel like God's calling us to help launch One Hope Church. And I was like, I'm so excited that God's calling you because he's calling me too. And I don't want to do this alone, huh? right? I, I want to do this with somebody. But in every situation, I asked them, I said, listen, I need you to tell me one thing. I need you to tell me that you've heard from God to do this. And they would always kind of look at me like, won't you just take me because I said I want to come? I said, no, no, I need you to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to. Air, warm bodies launch churches, right? Okay, like that's, that's, sometimes that's how I feel. But I said, no, no, I need you to, to tell me that you believe God has called you to do this. And maybe that's even a new idea for your faith where you are today, that God would speak to you, but he will. If you open your heart, he'll lead your heart. You, you'll perceive things you never thought. And the reason is, is there, there are going to be days in our lives that are harder than we expected. There'll be moments where you step into a vision that God has called you to accomplish and something to do, and it's going to feel like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I can't believe this. And what I wanted for those who were starting One Hope With Me to be able to say is it wasn't Josh who called you to this city. It was God. It was God who has you here today. Can I tell you that today? You're not here by accident. God has you here on purpose because he has a vision for your life. There's more to this religious thing than just going and checking the box and dealing with my guilt and my frustration. No, no, God has great vision for your life. And if you're open, he'll speak to you. And on the hard days, you'll go back to what God said to you. And on the good days, you'll go back to what God said to you. And when you've got a lot to celebrate, the church is growing and people are giving their lives to Jesus, you'll go back to what God said to you and you'll give God all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Amen, everybody. We'll give God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. If you're going to clap, you might as well go all out. Come on now. I decided instead of closing my message with a piano player, I was just going to go the whole time. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. The beginning of 2014, I knew that God had called us to stretch out to do something bigger than we had done. And I had this couple, the Finleys were their names. The Finleys were intercessors for Amber and I for many, many years. 
And there were times where we were in hard spots and times where we were really praying for answers that the Finleys would come along and say, you know what, we're praying for you and God spoke to us. And time after time, we began to rely on God speaking to us, but then the Finleys would come alongside and say, you know, God said, and it'd be the same thing. And they had no idea. And in 2014, we hadn't told anyone, it was January, we hadn't told anyone that we were stepping out to leave the city we were living in and to come back home to New Orleans where Amber and I are born and raised and launch a new church here. And they came alongside and they gave me what they said was a prophetic word. You may not be familiar with the term, but it's just a word that someone believes God spoke to them to give to you about where you're supposed to go in your future. And they brought me this passage, Isaiah 45 and 1. It's going to be on screen. I'm going to read it to you and we're going to pray and then I'm going to give you lots of vision about our future. Here's what they said, Isaiah 45 and 1. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Joshua. They wrote in the passage, to Joshua. And I'm like, hey, I'll take it, all right? If you, if you could throw me in the book of Isaiah, I'll take that Old Testament reference. And he said, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut And I love this, the I wills. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. How many of y'all would memorize that verse right there, right, God? Come on, hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. Why? Why would God do all of that for us? So that, come on, say those two words with me. So that you may know that he is the Lord the God of Israel who summons us by name so that you will know that God is the one who's called us to do this, that God has placed you here for such a time as this. Would you join me in prayer all around this room? Would you bow? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the grace you've given us today. And God, I pray that you would stir something fresh in our hearts about our future together and what you want to do in our lives and what you want to do through us and in us together. God, we open our hearts. We prepare our minds for what you want to do today. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Amen. And amen. I tell you, I'm fired up, as you probably can tell already. A week off at Disney did not kill me, everyone. For the first time in my life, I visited Disney World. I'm 42. Last week was my birthday. For the first time in my life, I went to Disney World. And it was amazing, but I could be one and done. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about, the craziness that goes on, and it was so much fun, and I may still be, after eight days of that and 10 hours of driving on the way back, I still may be living on popcorn and adrenaline right now, okay? And so if I say some things that I shouldn't say in the message, you just need to go with it and say amen, okay? Let's practice together, amen, right? Sometimes you just got to do that. But, you know, while I was there... I was reminded of why I've studied them in the past and why we've fallen in love with their movies is because if you go back to the very origin of Walt Disney, he had great vision. He saw something in the future that was different than other people saw. And when we moved to New Orleans, I saw this city differently than others have seen it in the past. Many people have tried to launch new churches in the city and many have failed. 
I sat with one minister who'd been here for 25 years and said in their denomination, they've had 159 failed church plants since 1985 in the city of New Orleans. And I asked him, I said, are you trying to encourage me or discourage me right now? And he began to just uh, talk with me about how we could make it. He began to cast vision on how they had survived and how they had done well. And I'll be forever grateful for that conversation because there was an impartation of truth and of wisdom of how we could do this and belief that God could do some new things in this city. And just like Isaiah 43 says that God will do some things, I want to also read to you uh, Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19. The latter verses of the beginning of the chapter, he says, I want you to not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. And the reason he's saying that is because they had lots of things in the past that were bad. I think it's good to look back for a short amount of time. I think it's good to use your rear view mirrors just for a moment to make sure that there isn't a car in the other lane. But most of you know that that really big windshield is what you're supposed to be looking at. Amen, everybody? You're not supposed to be looking back for long. It's a quick glance to learn some things, but then you look forward. You look forward to what God wants you to do right now and what God wants to do in the future. He says, behold, behold, I will do something new, comma, now. God wants to do something new right now. He says, it will spring forth. Now, now it's going to happen. Look out, it's going to happen. The thing you've been praying for, you've been wondering if God was going to answer your prayer, hey, now it's going to happen. I love this verse. I don't know about you. You ought to memorize this verse. This is a refrigerator verse. You ought to put it real big. He says, it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? That's the question. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said, where you think you can't go, I'll make a way for you to go. Where you feel like it's too dry and there won't be sustenance, I'll give you sustenance. I will provide for you because God wants to do something new right now. Would you say that with me? God wants to do something new right now. One more time. God wants to do something new right now. Everyone in our lives wants to talk about what's next. I, I went through this. I, I, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, you went to Disney. Will you go back to Disney? I probably won't, but I might. But everyone wants to know what's next. And can I tell you, you can't do anything next because next is tomorrow. You're not in tomorrow and you can't change yesterday. Today is the only moment you have in time. So take some notes with me right now. Take some notes with me. I want to I help you to understand how important now is. Now is actually longer than you think. Most of us were, were kind of living in and thinking about what might be next or where I might go or am I going to find that girl to marry or that guy to marry? Am I going to get that job? Am I going to be there? And we're living right now only thinking about what's next rather than living right now. So many of us, we, we lose sight of the fact that now is a lot longer than you think. You have some things that you can do right now. And the book of Proverbs challenges people who've kind of, they've lost sight of what is happening right now. And, and, and the, the writer of Proverbs calls that person a sluggard. Proverbs 26 and 13, he says, a sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming in the streets. And why, why does the sluggard say that? It's his excuse not to go out and do something now. If I get out there, I'm not going to make it. Proverbs 19 and 24 says this again. I love these verses. It says, as a, door, as a sluggard buries his hand in the dish, he will not even bring it back to his mouth. Just so tired, puts his hand in the cookie jar and doesn't take it out. How many of y'all know that has never been me any time in my life? 
if my hand touched a cookie, I know how to work it out right here, okay? Like, I have a gift. How about you? Someone told me they were on a seafood diet. I said, I am too. I see food and I eat it. Proverbs 26 and 14, he says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a slugger turns on its bed. Just over and over. Why? Because the person has lost sight of what they can do right now. They've just lost sight of right now. The other thing I'd like you to know about now is that now is actually the most powerful time in your life. See, a lot of us are living right now, and because of what happened or didn't happen in our past, right now is so cloudy that we've lost sight of even the power of right now, that we're just trying to deal with what happened, what they said, what they didn't say, the the parent who left or the person you thought loved you who didn't show up. Maybe you went in with all sorts of expectations, and the expectations weren't met, and so now is so clouded, clouded by what was then. But see, now is very, very powerful. Now God can heal your life. Now God can change your perspective. Now God can do a work that no man can do. Amen, everybody? Now is the moment that he wants to do it. I want you to listen to Ephesians 3.20. It's a, another refrigerator verse. Okay, lots of those today. He says, now to him. He doesn't say later to him. He doesn't say in the future God might. He says now to him who is able, would you read it with me? To do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Now to him. See, I I think sometimes we just get caught in what we're thinking about here and what happened there and we lose sight of that right now your life can change for the better. Right now, you can experience God's presence. Right now, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have a home in heaven. Right now, you can stop living in fear. Right now, you can stop worrying about whether the company will make it. Right now, you can trust that God is working on your behalf even when you don't know that he's working. Come on, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't know it, he's working. And I just, I feel like right now, I'm already like 100 times more fired up than some of y'all are, okay? All right, just forgive me. I get a little, get a little passionate about what I believe God wants to do in your life. See, now is longer than you think. Now is actually more powerful, more powerful than you think. But also now is what will make next happen. What you do right now is what is going to make those next things happen. If you don't do anything now, next is never going to show up. I know that that sounds like, oh, that's a good play on words, Pastor. You know, you might put, no, no, no. If you don't, if you don't file to start the company, you won't have a company tomorrow. You got to do something now. I remember when my pastor said, hey, Josh, we're going to back you to launch a church in the city of New Orleans. You can start doing the behind the scenes work, but you can't tell anybody. Can I tell you? I wanted to tell everybody right now. But there was some wisdom in actually doing some work before I told anybody, because I didn't even know what we were going to call the church. (laughs) Hey, we're we're launching, you know, we're going to, yeah, and we had lots of bad ideas on what we should call the church. Somebody told me we ought to to call the church your church, (laughs) so that every person who walked up, they say, what church you go to? I go to your church. (laughs) That's terrible, isn't it? But it's funny. I didn't even have all the details. I didn't know what needed to happen. I didn't have the right things in order, but we began to kind of do the work now. 
because I, I knew that there was going to be a launch day. We had set the date of September 28, 2014, and we were praying for a lot of people to show up on that day. But how many of y'all know that there was a lot of work that went in every single day before that next happened? And today I want to stir something in your heart about vision for God, from God for your life, that you would just, you would do some things now because you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh my gosh, look what God has done. And it would be because you were obedient in the now. It's be, he'll show up for you in the future because he's already showing up for you right now. Deuteronomy 28 and 13, he says, if, if you'll listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, two big ifs right there, right? If you listen, and if you carefully obey, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will be on top and never at the bottom. Can I get an amen from somebody out there, right? I don't know about you, but I like to be at the front of every line. Am I the only one? Some of y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. I mean, you're supposed to be the servant of all. I am. But in my personality, I like to go first and I like to go fast. Anybody else here with me? They told me there was going to be a four-hour line for a ride. I said, we ain't doing that. Four hours, listen, it, it ain't worth it, you know? But you know what? God always opens doors. God is always a God that will bless you. We, we showed up one place one day, and, and we were like, we're not going to get to do this. We're not going to get to do this particular ride at the park. And, and then there was an issue with the ride that we had, the fast pass for. And we showed up, and they said, well, you can't go on this one, but because you can't do this one, we're going to give you the other one that you can't have. And the very thing that my son and daughter wanted to do, we were able to leave the, the little one that was like the kitty ride, and we were able to go like really hurt ourselves. Why, why, does, why does God do little things like that? I think God does them to remind you that he's God right now. And it's only when we lose sight that he's God right now, because we're living in the past or we're living in the future, that we don't really open ourselves up to what he wants to do right now. You know, there have been a few times in Amber and I's life and relationship where where God's asked us to do some pretty risky things, like to step out and, and to press in. And yes, launching One Hope was one of those times. But if you rewind a few years, I remember after starting a company right out of high school and a few years after running that company, I felt like the Lord was calling me into the ministry and I realized that my mom and dad were right all those years, which was really hard to say out loud. But all those times that my dad said, hey, I believe you're supposed to be a pastor. And I said, oh, I'm not doing that with my life. I see what church looks like. I'm not doing that. And, I, you know, I had this long list of reasons why I should not. And can I tell you, in One Hope Church, we've been able to do away with most of those reasons. Because when I surrendered my call, my life to God's calling, when I surrendered to his calling, I said, God, if I'm going to do this, it's got to look different than what I went through, right? Church cannot be painful. Can I get an amen, right? Listen, life is already hard enough. We don't need more pain in our lives. We need truth and grace. Can I say that again? Listen, we're not trying to make this harder. We're trying to give you honest truth because you can't change without it. But you need the grace of God to stand in that truth and to live it out. And so every day what we're trying to do is give you a healthy dose of truth and grace to live that out. But I remember I, remember I was just you know, 20 and a half years old. Getting ready, getting ready to marry this beautiful lady over here. And uh, well, you know, she didn't know that yet, but I was getting ready to marry her. It's a few years later that she actually succumbed to all of my roses, dates, 
love letters. Took her a few years to succumb to me saying, listen, you're going to marry somebody. It's either going to be me or somebody else, and I'm not going anywhere until you do one or the other. <laughs> trying to help a young man out in the room right now. But at 20 and a half, I, I took a two-thirds pay cut from my company that I was working for and enrolled myself back in ministry college to pursue a theological degree because I realized that God was calling me to something more. And I began to see a vision of church that was different than what I experienced in the past. And I realized that God wanted to know me personally. He didn't just want to use me. That God wasn't looking to kind of put me to work before he cared for me and loved me and brought healing to my life. My relationship began to change in those early 20s. It was so, so life-changing for me. Everything that I experienced, every person that I, that I engaged with, every relationship in my life changed. Some relationships had to end. Some relationships had to, had to begin and some new things began to happen. And in the middle of those first few years, while I was while I was pursuing my ministry degree, I was actually had the opportunity to start working as a part-time youth pastor and then a full-time youth pastor. And then youth pastor is like the universal title for whatever job they need to get done in the church. And so I was fixing the roof and I was playing on the band and I was, I was cleaning toilets on some days. Come on now, right? Anybody here had to start at the bottom somewhere, right? So that's the bottom, by the way. God began to work in my life, began to change things. Got married in the middle of that time, began to pursue the next part of my life. And after almost seven years of working in St. Charles Parish in a little small river parish church right on the river road, I began to sense that God was calling Amber and I. We were just newly married a year into our marriage to risk everything again and to resign the job that started out as a two-thirds pay cut finally grew to be in a better pay, <laughs> to resign that job and to risk everything and move to Birmingham to be a part of another church plant there. And it was, it was God's vision, God showing us something, God speaking to us that began to challenge us to step out and go after God. Can I tell you, we left our, you know, our own little place to moving into a basement and having to trust God and believe that God would show up for us. And can I tell you, I started working for the church and working for Starbucks too. Some of y'all wonder why I love highly caffeinated people. Is because I would go to my job at church and people would say, don't you work at Starbucks? And I'd go to my job at Starbucks and people would say, don't, aren't you a pastor at that church? They were as confused as I was. At one point, I just started praying for people in the middle of the coffee shop, you know, like. <laughs> it was an amusing time, but I learned so much in that season. And then sure, it, it turned into a great opportunity. Nearly 10 years, we fast forward, we're in, we're in Birmingham serving God there and we get to launch a church much like this in an elementary school, and it does so well. And that after about two years of launching that church, we were able to buy a building, and we, we moved that, that portable church into a $10 million facility. And when we moved into that, I thought, ah, praise God, I can sit down for a little while. <laughs> we don't have to set up and take down things anymore. And one of my friends called me and asked me for lunch. And he had attended one of our services, and he said, man, it sure looks like you're bored in that new church. I looked at him and said, what are you talking about? He said, I can tell that God has called you to do something more. And I'm just wondering when you're going to give in to it and start doing something now about it. That was in 2013, and we began to pray because God began to open our eyes to what he wanted to do in our lives. 2013, we started making the preparations for what God is doing now. 
but it took a lot of work. And can I tell you, it was a big risk to come back and to do it all over again. Three times I feel like, I was like, man, God, can we just stop at three from cashing out and starting over? Have you ever had a conversation like that with God? Like, God, can, can we just slow this roll a little bit, God? <laughs> but there were so many people There are many of you, too many to name in the room, but friends and people who came along said, hey, I heard you're coming back. Heard you're coming back. There's one couple in the room that literally called and said, you know, we heard you're coming back and we've prayed and we we don't, when are you coming back? I said, well, we think we're coming back this year. We said, we've prayed and we've already decided that we're all in. I said, well, you don't even know what the name of the church is. You don't even know when we're starting. You don't even know what part of the city is. It doesn't matter. We're all in. There's another dear friend who is leading worship today, Shalina, on the stage when we left, she used to lead worship with me when I was a youth pastor. And she said, when you said you were moving to Birmingham, I thought surely you were coming back. I just didn't think it was going to take so long. <laughs> and she said, I always thought that we would lead worship together again. See, God speaks to people right now to prepare us for what's going to happen next. And we have to be attuned to what we're supposed to do right now. We have to have our ears open and our eyes open because God will make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He will take you by the right hand, Isaiah 43. He will guide you to places and show you riches stored in secret places. But you've got to be willing right now. See, we have this tendency to think about the future. I get it, I get it. But I need you to think about right now. It's a very, very simple message. You should be able to walk out and say God wants to do something new right now, all right? You should should be able to get it. It's not a hard one to comprehend. The challenge with Christianity isn't hard to understand. It's hard to do. See, we've tried to complicate even our relationship with Christ. I had somebody say, Pastor, can't you take us a little deeper on Sunday? And I said, you don't mean deeper, you mean confusing. And if you like, I can confuse you to death if you would like. I can take you down a little Greek road, a little Hebrew road, and you'll be like, I don't know what he said, but it sounded good. (laughs) Listen, people don't need to know the Greek term for life raft. They just need you to throw them one when they're drowning. Amen, everybody? (laughs) This section is doing good. Y'all know what I'm thinking over here, okay? I'm going to give you three practical things. Three practical things to do because there is something we need to do right now. Here's the first one. Number one, you need to grow right now. You have to choose to grow right now. You're not going to become all that God intended you to be by not doing some work right now. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 and 12, here's what he says. He says, he tells Timothy, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a young disciple, a young minister. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Whatever age you are in this building, you're still young. Some of you older folks need to say amen right there. He says, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. That means go to church, all right? To the preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that God has given you in the world, which he was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Listen to the last verse. He says, so be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your, come on, say with me, may see your progress. Everybody's going to see your progress. Oh my gosh, look what God has done. You know, on the way home from vacation, I listened to to Corey who preached last Sunday. I listened to his entire message and I couldn't have been prouder, Corey. Couldn't have been prouder uh, of a a young man who came out of a, a ministry college who interned with us with no guarantee, risked everything, who leads all of our production, by the way. He reads all my sermon notes, so I figured he's best qualified to preach to you. (laughs) 
Why? Why? I'm watching him grow. It's growing right now. So a couple of questions, real fast. I'm going to give you six of them under growing now. I'm a practical Christian, by the way. Y'all know that. I'm deeply spiritual, but deeply practical. And if spiritual things can't be practical, I don't know that I can have them. I need both in my life, and I need it to pass the who cares test on Monday. So here's some things. How do you grow right now? Here's the first question. What discipline should I start right now? If you want to grow, what discipline do you need to start? Do you need to start reading? Do you need to start writing? Do you need to start listening? Do you need to start asking questions? Do you need to start reading the one your Bible? What, what discipline do you need to start right now that's going to allow you to accomplish all that God has called you to do in your life? What time and energy waster should you stop? This is a good one. Come on, if you're going to keep piling on new things, you've got to stop some things. I talked about this in, I believe, the second week of the year, that if you're going to do great things, you're going to have to stop some things. You're going to have to say no to some of the parties. You're going to have to say no to some of the dinner events. Why? Because God has called you to do something great in your life. And you're going to have to grow. So some, some things need to go. You might need to stop Netflix and binging, okay? Like some of you need to give up the binging and the Netflix, all right? Bad joke, sorry. Number three, what person should I empower in my life? Every one of us has someone around us that's waiting for us to give them permission to succeed. And it may be somebody that you volunteer with that's waiting to, to grow and to step into something. Who should you empower? Maybe it's your son or daughter that's waiting for you to say, hey, this is how we do it. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's you just need to come alongside and say, you know, I'm going to teach you how. Can I tell you, my, my parents were geniuses at this. Because we had six children in our home. They knew how to empower us all to do dishes, to do laundry, to cut the grass, my mom one day sat us down and said, listen, if everybody takes a bath today, that's eight towels, all right? That's a whole load of laundry, and you're doing it, all right? And so we had a dish day. We had a laundry day. We had a bathroom cleaning day. Can you believe that? That, that in my entire young life, there was a certain day of the week that I had to clean every bathroom in the house? <laughs> when I got married, I said, Amber, I'll do anything if you'll clean the bathrooms. <laughs> but you know, when my son was just two years old, I bought him a little tykes lawnmower. And when I would get out there to cut the grass, what would I do with him? I'd get that little tyke out there with him. And I got video of him just walking behind me with a little tyke. Why? Because I want to empower him at the youngest age to become all that God's called him to be. And yes, that means cutting my grass. <laughs> one day, one day, I'm just, let me harp on this just for a moment. One day, he graduated from the little tyke. He was getting a little bit bigger, and, and the lawnmower that he had had a high bar and a low bar, and I put him between him and I, and he was pushing on the low bar right in front of me, and I was pushing on the high bar, and it was a great moment. It was a great father-son moment. And you know, someone stopped in front of my house and stopped me from cutting grass and said, I can't believe you had put your son in such danger. It's a grown man. I looked at him, and I said, that's the very reason we don't have real men in the world anymore. See, I, should, I told you I was going to harp, okay? Like, <laughs> I gave you warning, okay? Like, and I, I, it just hit me. as like, this is the reason why, why we're not empowering the next generation to become what God has called. They're not next. They're right now. You're not next. You're right now. Do y'all realize that? Your time isn't done. You're not too old. You're not washed up. You're not the gray hair. No, you're sucking air right now. Why? Because God wants you to do something right now. So there's somebody you need to empower. Keep on going. Let's go. What system should you create? Maybe you need to keep, create a, a house cleaning system. Maybe you need to, you know, like we do laundry on Monday and we clean bathrooms on Tuesday. Maybe, maybe you need a system to help your life to be better right now. But every one of us is running our lives on some sort of system. 
You may say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have a system. Well, that is your system, all right? What system should you create in order for you to grow right now? Here's the next. What relationship should you initiate? And I'll tell you, you should initiate a relationship in any area you want to grow. If you want your finances to grow, then find somebody that finances look better than yours. This is where small groups are amazing because you can, you can switch it up three different times a year. S small groups start and stop three times a year. Why? To make it easy for you to say, listen, I really enjoyed that, but I'm not doing it anymore. And I'm going to go to this next one where I'm going to learn about relationships or I I'm now newlywed and I need to talk to somebody about how to not be so angry with my spouse. And that small group is a great place to do that. What relationship do you need to initiate so that you can grow in 2020? Here's the next. What risk should I take? You say, well, pastor, any one of those five was a risk, all right? I got it, all right? Maybe one of those first five was your risk, but there's something that God is calling you to do now. Maybe it's now time for you to join the church. Maybe it's now time for you to let go of the divorce and how it impacted you. Maybe now is the time just to say, I'm going to move forward. And when I look back at the end of 2020, I'm going to be saying, look what the Lord has done. Some of y'all remember old church. There used to be a song that talked about, look what the Lord has done, right? He healed my body, right? Come on, it's all, you need to look it up. Some of y'all need to Google it. You'll get a good laugh, all right? <laughs> Here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to consider that if you're going to grow now, you need to give now too. You need to give now too. Some people always say, we say, we say, when I have more blank, then I will give, serve, and make a difference. When, when I have more time, I'll give, serve, and make a difference. When I have more money, I'll give, serve, more. When I have more, fill in the blank. When I have, no, no, God is giving you something now. You need to do something with it now. Luke 16 and 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. See, God has already placed something in your life right now. You have a gift that the world is longing for you to bring to the table. And if you'll bring that gift to the table, the people around you will be bettered. They will be encouraged. Their life will be changed because you gave the best of yourself. You say, Pastor, I only have a little bit of this. I got it. I got it. There was a woman who just had the widow's might. She only had one small amount, and God used her as an example that her small amount was bigger than the person who had a lot to give. Why? Because she gave sacrificially. Years and years ago, when I was just a boy, I was about eight or nine years old, I was in a service where we had a, a minister there. Her name was Peggy Richards, and she was a fireball preacher, man. At 18 years old, she was engaged to be married, and she said the Lord spoke to her and asked her if she would not marry that man and if she would marry the Lord and dedicate her life to ministry. And at 18, she broke off the engagement and started preaching the gospel. She preached for 52 years. And I was at her funeral when she was 70 years old because I was saved as a young boy, filled with the Holy Spirit under her ministry. And even when I was struggling with God, she was the woman that God used to reconcile me to him when I was 20 years old. She used to tell, uh, I hadn't talked about her in a long time, I guess, but uh, she used to talk about how she would steward the little things that God had given her. And she would talk about how that after she would cut the grass, that she would clean the lawnmower. And how once a year she would take every jar of screws she had in her garage and she would undo it and she would pour all the screws out and she would wash that bottle, that, that jar in the dishwasher. How many of y'all know that's excellence right there? 
she would say this. She'd say, Josh, if you take care of what God's given you, he'll give you more. If you take care of what God's given you, he'll give you more. And I'm just here to tell you that God is giving us more in this city because we're working hard to take care of what he's given us. And many of you heard us say that we've got vision for what's coming, but we've been preparing now because, listen, when the opportunity arrives, it's too late to prepare. I told someone this week, I'm a strategic opportunist. I've been strategically planning for the door that God's going to open. And when God opens it, we will walk through that door. Listen, there's another place coming. There's going to be a second one hope in this city. We're not going to call it second hope, everybody, all right? It's going to be, it's going to be one hope. We're going to keep stewarding what God's given us. We're going to keep saving, preparing, and God's going to swing a door open. We're, we're avidly, we're actively looking for a second location. We will continue to have church right here. We're looking for a second place that can be a home base that we can office out of, that we can preach the gospel out of, that we can do some student ministry things out of, that we can do some other, we need a second, we need a second home. But what we recognize is that God is doing so much here that we don't need to leave this home, we just need a second home. Just want you to know. As we close, here's the third. I want you to go now. Now's the time. Now's the time. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, as, as God partners, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, come on, read it with me, church. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I'm calling you to step into the next phase. It's time to grow. It's time to give. It's time to go after it. And I'm telling you, we're going to look back one day and say, oh my God, look what he's done. As we close, would you bow with me in prayer all around this room? If you're here today and you're far from God, this is your moment. Today's your day to give your life to Jesus. You can be like Dirk, who a year ago came in and didn't know what this was going to be like, and he gave his life to Jesus. You can be that person right now who gives your whole heart to him and watch what God will do in your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I will not ask you to come to the front. But if you're far from God, this is your moment. All you have to do is invite him in. I'll give you the words. I'll say the prayer. You say it right after me. Just let it be honest. Let it be real. Let it come from your heart. Say these words. Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Right now, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.